Climate finance, according to the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change, refers to local, national or transnational financing drawn from public, private and alternate sources of financing that seek to support mitigation and adaptation action that will address climate change. Climate financing featured as an overarching theme of this year's COP27 discussion with the creation of a loss and damage fund to funding recovery post-climate disasters. In this episode of BL Podcast, Nivedita Vardarajan speaks to Rahul Prithiani, Senior Director Consulting, Energy, Commodities and Sustainability, Krizil, on what climate financing is all about and are the many avenues of green or climate financing. Over to Nivedita. Hello and welcome to the BL Podcast. I'm Nivedita Vardarajan and with me, I have Rahul Prithiani and we're going to discuss climate finance and why green budgeting is important seeing it's the budget season. Rahul, welcome to the show. Thank you, Nivedita. Can we start off at the very beginning? What exactly is climate finance? Why is it important now? I think clearly to address climate change, there is a need to address some of the emerging technologies which can substitute some of the older technologies, especially which are, you know, heavy on fossil fuels. And many of these technologies such as hydrogen, battery storage, biofuels, They are still yet, you know, not scalable uh, and the cost is relatively high. Uh, In order to reduce the cost, get in scale and also encourage some of these emerging technologies, there is an important need to uh, address climate finance. Uh, This field would typically, you know, try help financing some of these emerging technologies. At the same time, you know, one has to take efforts to kind of dissuade and increase the cost of finance for some of the older climate-heavy fossil fuel-based technologies. And in order to accelerate the movement, I think there needs to be a specific agenda for climate finance, which addresses these specific issues, which can channelize funds towards uh, emerging areas such as hydrogen, biofuels, electric vehicles, battery metals, rooftop, solar, energy storage solution, both uh, stationary as well as mobility-linked. Also, green infrastructure is another area, you know, which will need uh, finance going forward. These are all big topics, right? These are all things that are supposed to be dealt at hopefully the national level and at the state levels. How can government go about green budgeting? So I think in order to uh, encourage some of these technologies, I think central uh, governments have a very important role to play and also the state government. But the key driver would be central government because very often the states will rely on the guidance coming from the center. And in order to kind of, you know, accelerate movement and investment in these technologies, uh, there will need to be some support with respect to uh, uh, some sort of incentives to kind of, you know, uh, encourage R&D in these spaces and also provide uh, a cushion to, you know, innovators uh, in terms of helping them uh, build uh, uh, sandboxes, etc. to try out their products and also encourage uh, investment in these areas. And from a government point of view also, in order to mainstream and make it scalable, at least in the initial phases, uh, some of the areas will need support. Uh, We have already seen it in areas such as electric vehicles, uh, where you already see the various fame schemes and uh, the government support that is available. And it has helped faster adoption, at least in some of the categories where there are, you know, viable options available. Uh, Going forward, uh, the government will have to have more and more budgets Uh, at least in the initial phases of each of the technologies such as hydrogen to kind of, you know, encourage market growth and development. And at the same time, 
you know allow those technologies to scale up to a level beyond which you know they will operate on market forces so at least in the initial few years it's very important for the government to budget uh, providing for these and potentially uh, in the past uh, the governments have also you know utilized certain carbon similarly at the state level also there can be initiatives that can be taken uh, which again uh, through various means kind of you know funding support can be provided to encourage investment in those respective states as well as you know encourage uh, uptake of uh, the emerging technologies since we are going into the budget season uh, this is basically the start of the budget season what are some of the things that the government should do when it comes to focusing on this can we like have some examples like you mentioned a whole lot of sectors that the government should focus on like how do you prioritize which sector gets how much money no i think that clearly is a important challenge so if one looks at the overall piece in terms of prioritization uh, i think one of the segments which has got the highest impact in terms of the climate change is the coal segment and thermal power generation so in order to provide viable options it is very important to have very good storage infrastructure as well as transmission infrastructure to support availability of round the clock green power which can become a viable option both for uh, industry uh, households as well as the various end other end consumers so in order to for that to happen i think a lot of support initially may be needed in areas such as storage and also building up a very strong transmission infrastructure additionally uh, beyond that also there are applications which are non stationary storage typically what we see in electric vehicles now there also if there can be some encouragement that can be given and if these two three areas if they can be prioritized i think uh, we, this should go a long way in you know solving the bigger elements in terms of fossil fuels that is both coal as well as oil the government is doing its bit in the last budget also they prioritized uh, giving discounts to evs governments both at the state and central level are trying to ensure that power transmission is smooth and unnecessary wastages are cut what more can they do no i think clearly from a storage point of view even today if you look at storage systems their cost is clearly you know relatively higher so the cost of generation along with storage makes many of these options uh, relatively unviable mm. so in order to encourage some new technologies in this area and also in order to encourage usage there could be some degree of incentivization that could be provided to users end users especially in segments where affordability is a challenge especially for instance in some of the households etc if there can be you know some sort of incentivization that can be done go a long way in faster adoption and clearly on the transmission infrastructure though, though the government is spending but you know for the last mile there is a still a lot to be done and in order to make certain projects viable a uh, good open access regime to kind of you know really flourish where the movement of power can be uh, more widespread from all generators to all consumers uh, it would uh, also go a long way if some of the cost on that front can be adequately provisioned so how would they fund this some of the fund will have to come from the government itself they have to budget it from their revenues and some they can borrow uh, what are the various ways they can finance for green energy and other infrastructure 
so i think uh, in terms of financing uh, there are options available and the willingness of players to finance is uh, pretty high be it uh, global or domestic on the global front i think there is clearly whole host of funds which are including some of the sovereign wealth fund clean energy funds they are willing to uh, you know finance some of these initiatives in some cases they are also willing to give long term loans through multilats in this space which are you know at very concessional rates now some of those routes will require you know some sort of sovereign guarantee may be required or necessary the government can clearly you know participate in all those areas and encourage uh, funding availability in those areas in addition to their own budgetary uh, plans and uh, the cesses that they collect from the fossil fuel related areas but that's not the only way right they can tap in markets like the government recently got uh, the sovereign bonds right so they said they're going to launch sovereign green bonds what are the other things they can do so as far as bonds are concerned i think there are multiple channels for investment that they can look at both in the domestic market as well as the overseas market now in the sovereign bond market i think it's the markets are still not evolved uh, at least in india and globally also you know a lot more needs to be done of course there are various pools of capital which are changing clean energy uh, that may be available and may be willing to invest in some of these bonds but some of the structures have to be put in place i think sebi recently has come out with guidelines on green bonds so these are some of the initial steps that can you know help in building a more deeper market and the success of this market will be clearly when you know you start seeing price differential between a green bond versus a non green bond and if you start to see differential yields or lower yields that is when you know the whole uh, project will become a success and for that to happen all the investors lenders i think they need to have greater comfort on the performance of various companies that are raising these bonds in the market uh in terms of data flow in terms of quality of data and also from a investor perspective especially in the domestic market there needs to be a lot of work that needs to be done by the investors in terms of they you know having frameworks of evaluation for what is green we clearly want to avoid what is uh, green washing internal capacity building within organizations also becomes a very very important factor so, so we would expect uh, all those things to play out over the next few years so what kind of regulation should companies have while investing in green bonds and any green thing so i think uh, from a government perspective i think they have made the first few steps uh, as they are they are making brsr mandatory from next year which mm-hmm. will start providing better quality of data with respect to the esg related metrics uh, for various uh, companies so that clearly helps and it gives an opportunity for investors to kind of you know distinguish among companies at the same time uh, corporates uh, as well as investors they need to have a better understanding of what is required uh, their understanding of uh, the space and the capacity building that needs to be done in that area rbi on its part is also uh, looking to evaluate climate risk uh, uh, and it is asking all the regulated entities to evaluate climate risk as part of their overall assessment and would look forward to in- integrate that in the overall capital computation for all the loans they uh, the regulated entities that is the banks and the nbfcs give out 
now that is another very key important step as we get you know more firm guidelines in that area uh, each of the lenders will kind of uh, you know look at climate risk very closely which is a very important uh, assessment and they will be able to distinguish b- between companies on climate risk and if those guidelines are put in place and accelerated you could see a faster movement towards uh, developing and deepening the market and also more greater differential in terms of pricing appearing between companies which in turn would you know encourage companies to move towards climate change and make that as a central agenda for themselves in terms of their business plans okay so is there any gold standard a benchmark that we have to reach is there any country which is already doing these things Europe is fairly ahead in many of these areas so they have very well developed you know uh, bond market though even their uh, pricing differentials are not as stark as you know one would want mm-hmm. incrementally you have lot of uh, ways by which you know people are looking at uh, the various uh, rating agencies as well as score providers who are providing scores for investors as well as lenders mm-hmm. also globally we also see in europe many of the banks have also looked at you know the integrating climate risk as part of their uh, you know overall uh, credit assessment framework and many of them have moved uh, fast on some of the hard to abate sectors such as uh, you know oil and gas uh, electric vehicles chemicals uh, as well as you know metals and cement which are heavy uh, on the environment Polluters, footprint yeah. yeah which are heavy on the environment footprint so going forward i mean th- those can be good models and globally some of the large multilateral agencies like world bank ifc adb i think they have also established some good frameworks for evaluation which can be you know adopted uh, to accelerate the growth of the and the development of the market what is the difference in the proposed framework which india is doing and what is already established in the eu or by the world bank is there any difference and I, how so much I, of a difference is it so as far as the climate risk is concerned i think uh, uh, the the framework that rbi has proposed is largely in line with tcfd Mm-hmm. but in there are many areas uh, you know the frameworks are still evolving and it will be good to kind of you know leverage on the learnings of some of those and also with respect to the bond market also there are some guidelines which will need to evolve over a period of time and it will be a good learning ground to kind of you know adopt from of the policies which are already there in uh, the western markets so if you are going to take a cue from the recently concluded cop 27 they talked about three things one is adapting and one is mitigation and other is loss and damage so so far we are talking about adapting which is to f- ensure that f- uh, we make a budget to ensure that we don't get impacted uh, what is the government uh, in india and around the world doing to ensure that we can deal with the damage which is already happening so in order to deal with the da- loss and damage that you mentioned i think the part on climate risk becomes very relevant exactly and physical risk within that becomes a very important element hmm. so with uh, rbi coming up with the uh, discussion paper on climate risk and hopefully you know going forward shortly coming up with deeper guidelines uh, on the same i think the element of loss and risk to some extent will be captured by the lenders which in turn would mean it would impact the overall you know capital computation for them and the interest cost for the borrower and which in turn would mean uh, in order to handle that uh, cost 
the borrower will have to make some plans and also put in place a mitigation strategy if they want the cost of funds to kind of you know uh, be uh, you know uh, preferential so in that context you know it will force corporates to build up mit mitigation plans and look at it as a real risk with a cost associated with it so in that context i think we are seeing some movements and we would uh, also along the way you know see a better uh, appreciation from the corporate sector of some of these kind of requirements that may be there going forward we are already seeing you know some of the leading corporates having their own plans and mitigation strategies but to kind of you know mainstream it and to also get the mid tier corporates in the evolution of these frameworks uh, from the funding side will also become very very critical and awareness with respect to data uh, on some of these elements such as climate emission hmm. waste disposal will all be very critical in that entire journey so can you tell us what the rbi is saying how will it impact so if i'm a business owner and i'm going to say i own a petrol bunk and i'm going to take a loan uh, how will the rbi propose regulations impact me will i have to pay more money if i'm in a place which is prone to flooding perhaps uh, what would happen in a ideal world uh, mm. is uh, i think the physical risk of your petrol pump location in various climate scenarios will be estimated and along with that there will also an element of a transition risk which is there which is on account of uh over uh, on account of the emerging trends where uh, where people are going to consume less amount of fossil fuel and at the same time they are going to move towards cleaner alternatives which would have an impact on the income of the petrol bunk so in that context if one takes into account various climate scenarios and the risk on account of that clubbing both of them together i think one can arrive at a, uh, the banker or the person who's uh you know i'm uh, uh, who's evaluating this uh, credit hmm. we can get a better sense of what is the overall risk that the loan carries and if you are doing risk based pricing of loans that could mean differential pricing or a much higher interest rate to you and in that context you know uh, there will need to be a proper mitigation plan to some extent that the you know the uh, owner of the business would have to provide and to that extent you know uh, there will be uh, people who will be dissuaded from going for uh, going for businesses which are which have a higher carbon footprint and can lead to greater impact as far as the climate change is concerned so okay. it is an indirect influence okay so this would be very detrimental for sectors like mining which requires a lot of capital investment then so in certain sectors obviously india is at a very early stage in its growth journey you may still need to invest a lot in mm. your power space uh, power sector thermal power today is still a very very key important element in spaces such as mining also india still has a long way to go in terms of usage of metals etc so in that context uh, in india's uh, uh, overall scheme of things what is more critical is how you can you know have a strategy for mitigation of some of these risks reducing the carbon footprint being more efficient so a lot of focus will need to be done in many of these areas uh, given where india's position is and that is one of the reasons you know um, because the there is a lot of economic activity that needs to happen and in, in terms of india's development we have taken targets of 2070 rather than you know many of the other countries 2030 which are looking at, at 2030 2040 2050 mm. because we have a lot more to do 
so along the way you know we can have multiple mitigation strategies in all of these hard to abate sectors to kind of reduce the carbon footprint as much as possible so there's another aspect to dealing with climate change as to deal with the physical the actual impact we're already facing right so when we are building infrastructure projects for example say the sagarmala projects where we are building roads we have and if they get flooded or or industries get um, uh, because of cyclones people have to move away and things like that so uh, uh, infrastructure will get damaged is the government even looking at things like this while making a budget or planning clearly for infrastructure projects as you are aware you know there is always a environment impact assessment report and even the social impact assessment report uh, for uh, some of these large infrastructure projects mm. and before funding i think they need to be looked at there are clearances that are needed from a environment perspective uh, so that clearly to some extent you know clearly we are doing uh, but going forward even from further from a lending perspective uh, also the government is looking at you know evolving this a lot more and also in order to attract funds for some of these infrastructure projects many of these infrastructure projects rely on overseas funding yeah. so some of the funds who are investing in or lending to these projects they need a more deeper evaluation from a sustainability and esg perspective and a climate risk perspective so increasingly we are seeing uh, you know with more and more disclosures coming uh, in these areas the government is going to push for better disclosures and better impact assessment uh, and deeper you know evaluation more quantitative data points around some of these elements so which will help all the investors and the lenders and it will also give confidence for them to channelize funds in uh, for some of these projects so it's not just the government of india the state governments which are, which will have to think about uh, green budgeting what about india inc esg has become a buzzwords of sorts but is india in clearly invest in solving their own issues which they face because of climate change and bad climatic events so here um, i think corporates are clearly uh, i mean increasingly becoming aware of the challenges some of the larger corporates uh, and the leading groups in the country uh, in many of the hard to abate sectors have already started to move over the last 4 5 years some of them have fairly evolved practices some of them have very deep sustainability reports some of them follow you know global reporting standards such as gri uh, sasb some of them are also investing uh, strongly in terms of you know setting targets for themselves and figuring out strategies for mitigation and adaptation of their overall uh, business and business model looking at cleaner technologies looking at alternative solutions to reduce the carbon footprint like uh, hydrogen uh, green hydrogen ammonia uh also they are looking at you know renewables many of the corporates you've already seen uh some of the manufacturing industries we are also seeing you know nearly 70 80% of the overall fuel consumed is from cleaner sources so we are seeing a clear move in that direction and lot of them are looking at it also as an opportunity to enter into new product services uh, as uh, which will kind of you know support this entire uh, move towards climate change and if you are well entrenched in some of them you can achieve scale and first mover advantage so that is also something that we are clearly seeing as part of the corporate business planning and strategy uh for some of the mid tier and the smaller corporates i think they are more driven by some of their larger peers 
and they will follow over a period of time or uh, with greater regulatory intervention we'll start seeing uh, more and more uh, mid-size and a sm uh, smaller corporates also looking at this much more closely going forward so what are some of the challenges that the smaller and the mid uh, corporate uh, face while accounting for green budgeting for one they don't have the same amount of resources say the big guys in india have so what are the other thing other challenges they have and how are they facing it so for some of the smaller players i think the first challenge is understanding of uh, you know the overall climate change and sustainability is very low internal capacity building is a challenge hmm. uh, they do have resource constraints also in terms of availability and manpower uh, and also a wider view of how, what are the implications of the same because going forward a uh, few years down the line when regulations become more tighter at that stage uh, it will also almost become mandatory uh, for even the mid-size player in case they have to do business they will have to kind of you know go the green route a uh, lot of their larger peers who they are selling to in the market they would want their value chain to kind of you know come up the stream and mm. to that extent they will start expecting more and more so clearly you know there will need to be a journey that uh, all mid-size corporates and smaller corporates will also have to look at and also like for larger corporate for mid-size corporates also there'll be newer opportunities that will emerge in this space so finally what are the three things india inc can do to become more greener i think uh, uh, first one will be capacity building and uh, you know getting all employees and all stakeholders internal as well as external uh, you know aligned to the overall climate goal i think that is one one key area that everybody needs to focus on second is i think increasingly they have to look at projects which can be scaled and which can over a period of time over the longer term provide them upside in terms of you know opportunities on account of uh, uh, the adaptation potentially you know uh, if some of the companies are looking at export markets you know going forward in europe you are likely to see a, a potentially a green steel market so if you are exporting to that market you better be producing green steel so in that mm -hmm. context you know awareness of some of these opportunities Uh, is very critical and investment and movement because a lot of times these opportunities uh, will take time to fructify and you have to start investing now so that you are ready for the future so to that extent you know keep investing and strike a balance between uh, investing uh, in for in uh, in projects which will give you near term upside versus uh, projects which will give you longer term sustainability of business uh, i would think you know these two have to be balanced well and prioritized in order to kind of you know look at opportunities for the future and at the same time um, look at you know actively what are the emerging opportunities for some uh, you know uh, concessional finance that might be available for some of the emerging technologies and also at the same time look out for the regulatory changes that would impact your existing businesses going forward thank you so much for joining me today rahul thank you that was an interesting discussion nivedita for more such podcasts do stay tuned to business line podcast on spotify and google podcast until the next time this is siddarth signing off mm -hmm.